The Coast Guard has taken delivery of Taiwan's first domestically built patrol ship named Anping. The new ship will be tasked with cracking down on smuggling and performing search and rescue at sea. It's also equipped with missile launchers that can be used in wartime. President Tsai Ing-wen on Friday said that two of these 600-ton cutters will be added to the Coast Guard fleet every year. At the launch of a new Coast Guard vessel, plumes of colored smoke rise into the air, capping off the ceremony. As the new vessel, christened Anping, is handed over from the shipbuilder, a whistle was blown and the president prepares to board the ship for inspection. Tsai presided over the launch ceremony, a milestone of national importance. Anping is a new class of patrol vessel that can be quickly outfitted with missiles during wartime. Its completion marks the start of a new chapter for indigenous defense. All our personnel in the front line can now have a more capable, safer vessel for use in missions that fulfill the expectations of Taiwanese. Through this 10-year Coast Guard vessel development program, we plan to build over 100 ships. Most importantly, this ships will be domestically built. This will spur growth and advancement in Taiwan's shipbuilding industry. I am very pleased to learn through reports that this plan is being executed with unprecedented success. Anping is based on the Navy's Tuojiang-class corvette and features the same catamaran-style hull. It will be tasked primarily with taking on smugglers and conducting search and rescue operations. On board, it houses advanced radar and thermal imaging systems. It can reach a top speed of roughly 40 knots, and its hidden firepower is another of its highlights. Aside from its high-pressure water cannon and auto cannon and a Zhenhai multiple rocket launcher, the Amping is also formidable as the latest Coast Guard vessel in operation. It is capable of being further weaponized in wartime when it can be equipped with Xiongfeng-2 and Xiongfeng-3 missile systems. This capability of the vessel will be tested next year during the annual Hanguang military exercises. A Coast Guard vessel with frontline combat capabilities, the new ships will be equipped with missile launchers during wartime when the Navy will take over their operation. We regularly plan and train with the Navy, so in reality there's already integration. What is most important is that in peacetime, we are out there carrying out our duties enforcing the law at sea. The handover of Anping marks a new page in history, and the new vessel is expected to start duties in 2021. Each year, the government hopes to add two more of the new vessels to the Coast Guard's fleet. Moderate aftershocks are expected following Thursday's powerful quake off Taiwan's northeast coast. At 9.19 Thursday evening, a magnitude 6.7 earthquake struck off the coast of Yilan, sending shockwaves across nearly the entire island. The Central Weather Bureau has recorded at least 11 aftershocks so far. The Bureau says more aftershocks measuring above magnitude 4 could hit Taiwan over the coming week. An earthquake alert rings out on phones across the country. At 9.19pm on Thursday, a magnitude 6.7 earthquake struck off Taiwan's northeast coast at a depth of 76.8 kilometers. Eleven cities and counties including Yilan, Taipei and New Taipei registered an intensity level of 4. It was followed by aftershocks measuring as high as 5.6. 
规模小于四的。There have been three aftershocks that measured four or higher, and eight that measured below. The main reason we're getting this string of earthquakes is because they involve a subduction zone. The first quake was caused by the slip between two tectonic plates, the Eurasian Plate and the Philippine Sea Plate. National Central University geology professor Li Shiti warns that major activity between the two plates tends to happen once every 100 years. There may be bigger shocks to come, he said. The Central Weather Bureau said there's no basis for the forecast. Even Today we have no way of predicting earthquakes. The history of our seismic observations, our scientific observations, in the case of Taiwan, that history is only a little over a hundred years old. So we believe there is no scientific basis for such a prediction. Subduction zone earthquakes tend to release energy quickly. They also tend to be followed only by mild or moderate aftershocks. The Central Weather Bureau says its possible tremors of magnitude four or above will continue into next week. Here in Taiwan, the fines for breaking quarantine are no joke. This month, a migrant worker in Gaosheng was fined a hundred thousand Taiwan dollars for stepping outside his quarantine facility for just eight seconds. But are there really no exceptions to the rule? Not even in the event of, say, an earthquake. In the wake of Thursday's powerful quake that was felt island-wide, questions are being raised about whether quarantiners are allowed to flee their homes in an emergency. At its press conference on Friday, the Central Epidemic Command Center had the answers. With buildings shaking violently, people exercising in the gym are urged to head out, and one by one, they fill the sidewalk. But what are home quarantiners to do? Recently, a quarantine migrant worker in Gaosheng who stepped outside for a mere eight seconds was fined 100,000 NT. 对哈，我都没有想到哎，是不是要给他们一个紧急的那个联络方式？当有紧急的状况的时候，他们好像时间也没办法哈。还是要戴口罩外出啊？还是？Locals ponder the question: In the event of a fire or earthquake, are people in quarantine really not allowed to leave their buildings? If there is a natural disaster or an accident, if there is a need to run for shelter in an emergency, of course those who are in isolation or quarantine can put on a mask and temporarily leave the place of isolation or quarantine. After the emergency situation has passed, they can hurry back to the place where they were quarantined. So there is no need for people to worry that they will be fined because they had to seek refuge in an emergency. Nationwide, there are 123 people recovering from COVID-19, placed in hospital isolation wards. How are they to escape in the event of an earthquake? It's another head scratcher. Hospitals also have regulations on seeking refuge in the event of an emergency, which hospital personnel can instruct patients on. Whatever you need to do to escape an emergency, that's what you do. The CECC is assuring the public that it won't find people breaking quarantine during an emergency, but those in hospitals should follow the instructions of hospital staff. Quarantining doesn't have to mean getting crushed in an earthquake. Health officials announced one new COVID case on Friday: a young Taiwanese woman who flew in from the U.S. to visit family. Also on Friday, health officials gave an update on a suspected case of local transmission that's still under investigation. This case involves a Taiwanese man who arrived from China, who stayed in the same quarantine hotel as a German man who also tested COVID positive. Officials said they're still awaiting the results of genetic sequencing tests that can indicate if one man infected the other in the hotel. 
But the likelihood of that is low, they said, citing their preliminary investigation. Let's hear from the Central Epidemic Control Center. If you're talking about them transmitting it between themselves, first, the chance of that is relatively low. Secondly, there is the question of whether they have a common source of transmission. The 14 workers at this hotel would also likely have been infected, so it doesn't look like it's the same source of infection. It looks more like isolated cases. What we are leaning more toward at this time is the possibility that these are imported cases. The CECC said it ran COVID tests on 14 hotel staff and that all 14 came back negative. It also collected samples at the quarantine hotel where the two men had stayed. Samples collected from their room's door handles, floors and air conditioners all came up negative for COVID after tests. Officials expect to have the results of their genetic sequencing tests by Saturday at the earliest. Taiwan CSMOT, or the Chinese Society for Management of Technology, held its annual meeting on Friday at the place of its founding 30 years ago, National Jiao Tong University. At the general meeting, the society conferred titles to recognize outstanding accomplishments in technology management. The honorees included researchers, corporate leaders and government officials. For 30 years now, CSMOT has worked to foster talent in technology management and enhance its application in Taiwan's tech sector. Under a waterfall of glitter, words appear, announcing the 30th anniversary of the CSMOT and heralding a new chapter of its development. We focus on the technology management expertise needed to support the processes behind high-tech development. This society has devoted a great deal of effort to that over the past 30 years. The society has grown from little more than 100 people to the 1,600 people of today. A total of 152 academician titles have been conferred to its scholars in the industrial sector of the government. Since its establishment 30 years ago, CSMOT has been dedicated to developing technology management knowledge and practical applications. On Friday, it returned to National Jiao Tong University for its annual meeting, where it honored individuals and teams for their outstanding performance in technology management. Academician titles went to academics including Liu Wenxiong and Li Zongming of the Industrial Technology Research Institute. Other honorees include National Jiao Tong University Professor Hong Zhiyang and Professor Emeritus Chen Anbing. On the industry side, titles went to Fang Lue, the head of a globally leading tech firm, and Cynix Technology President Evans Tu. It's a great honor to be recognized as an academician by the Chinese Society for Management of Technology. It's an affirmation of the importance of so-called black technologies for the finance sector. CSMOT has always been a driving force behind the development of technology management in Taiwan's tech sector and related industries. It was a gathering of industry elites on a mission to apply technology management concepts and integrate them across sectors. As these leading lights converged on Friday's ceremony, the future looked bright for Taiwan's tech sector. 
Well, it's official. Taipei and New Taipei will be hosting the 2025 World Masters Games, an international sports competition for athletes over 30 years of age. The two cities were awarded the hosting rights in October, beating out Paris and Perth. The two mayors sealed the deal on Friday by signing a contract in a video conference with the International Master Games Association, the event's organizer. For us, this is a source of pride, and it is Taiwan coming together for this very important sports competition. The signing of this agreement today is the beginning of Taipei and New Taipei taking on a heavy responsibility. When the time comes, cities and counties across the country can share their special events, religious celebrations and local cultures, promoting these things through international exchanges and through marketing their cities. I look forward to this event, which, following up on the 2017 Taipei Universiade, will let Taiwanese be seen by the world and let the world visit Taiwan. This will be the first international sports competition held in Taiwan since the 2017 Universiade. The opening ceremony will be held at the Taipei Dome, and the closing ceremony will be at the new Taipei Breeze Park. An estimated 110 countries will be represented at the event, with roughly 15,000 athletes taking part. An abandoned train station building in Taidong's Luye Township has gained second life as a local attraction. The station was remodeled by the local community to revitalize the area. Now, the train platform is a popular spot for photos. The erstwhile ticket booth now sells snacks instead of tickets, and the station master is an adorable cat. A large group of people walk onto the platform. It may look like they're about to board a train, but a closer look reveals that they aren't holding tickets or luggage. Instead, it's cameras and phones. They stand in rows, eager and excited to capture the moment a train rushes by behind them. People stand in front of the ticket booth to buy all sorts of snacks. This is Reha Station in Taidong's Luye Township. The station has been out of use for a long time. To revitalize the area, the local community turned it into a cafe. Inside, there's an area explaining the history of Reha Station, where people can take photos. When the station was abandoned, it just became an unused space. A lot of people came here to take pictures of trains. They would say that this place was clean and beautiful, but that it was lifeless. I wanted the station to become a focal point for the village, so it could give a platform to local residents and showcase local agricultural specialties. No trains stop here anymore, but Reha Station still has a station master. It's this cat called Little Fei. Tucked away in rural Taidong, this charming station can give visitors a taste of the slow-paced life of the countryside in the company of a feline friend. Winter has arrived, and what better time for a warming Sichuan pepper soup? One Sichuanese chef in Taipei makes all her own noodles with the finest local sweet potatoes. But that's not all. Gao Yuhan is also a Sichuan opera performer. Let's see how she does it. Chongqing hot and sour vermicelli. The translucent, firm yet super slurpable noodles sparkle in a red hot soup. Pours in this piece of duck blood tofu are full of cayenne and Sichuan peppers. This bucket of sweet potato paste is kneaded till it's perfectly soft, then fed through a special sieve to the beat of the chef. 
See how the chef beats in a perfect rhythm. To make one bucket, she has to stand here for half an hour. But with her expertise, she knows just how high to hold the tool and how hard to beat. When you beat the noodles, the height determines their thickness. If they're too thin, we press them down a bit. The finished noodles are pulled out of the water and plunged into cold water. We searched from one end of Taiwan to the other. In the end, we found sweet potato number 57. Coming out of the kitchen, Gao has a whole other string to her bow, Sichuan Opera. In Sichuan, they teach boys opera, not girls. But when my dad retired, it so happened that there were only girls in the family. So I had the chance to learn those skills. Gao is the third generation of Sichuan opera performers in her family. She frequently flies back to brush up on her culinary skills and bring the fire of her homeland back to Taiwan. Last year, Taipei was named the world's best city to move to in 2020. The ranking came out before anyone had heard of COVID-19 and before everything from work to eating out changed around the globe. Today, we catch up with some expats who spent 2020 in Taipei. Did the city live up to the hype? Our very own Stephanie Yang went out for some answers. Last year, the travel website Internations named Taipei as the best city to move to in 2020. It surveyed more than 20,000 expats, asking them to rate cities based on criteria like quality of life, job satisfaction, and local cost of living. Taipei scored especially high in quality of life, healthcare, and transportation. That sounds about right, according to expats here in Taipei in 2020. And I gotta say that Taipei is a superb place to live because I think that the security, the people, the education, the whole thing as a whole makes it like a great experience. Plan to live here for at least like five years, five years or ten. I, one thing that I like to do in here is like to spend to spend at the night a time at the park to read like at 2 to 3 a.m. because it's safe. I have like zero issues, nobody will, nobody will mug me or uh, rob me. Taipei is very convenient, especially the transportation. You can go anywhere. With the MRT, you can go anywhere you want. Secondly, there are convenience stores everywhere. Well, I guess this year, the, the best thing about Taipei is it's been free of coronavirus. So the, obviously the pandemic has been managed really well. So I think in the past year, that's what's drawn a lot of people to Taiwan. This year, to support the pandemic-hit economy, Taiwan launched triple stimulus vouchers for domestic consumption. Since November, diplomats and foreigners with residence permits have been eligible to receive the vouchers. Triple stimulus vouchers have been helpful. We're in the middle of a pandemic. I've been working at a travel agency for a long time, but now there's the pandemic. I'm very happy to be able to receive the vouchers, which helped with everyday life. We foreigners were able to get the attention of the Taiwanese government, which is treating us Vietnamese like Taiwan citizens. With COVID under control, people within Taiwan are still going to work and traveling freely. Thank you very much. Jean-Francois Casabon Masunav, head of the French office in Taipei, says he's enjoying Taipei and looks forward to exploring more of the island. Uh, I've been in some very beautiful locations like uh, 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 Sun Moon Lake, 
like Taroko, of course, but uh, they are the most famous, and uh, I have to, I still have to to travel uh, more in tai in Taiwan. Maybe I will try uh, during the next winter to go south in uh, Kintung to 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 uh, taste the seaside. Nobody knows what new challenges next year will bring, but as 2020 winds to a close, it's clear Taipei has burnished its reputation as a top destination for expats. For most of the news, Stephanie Yang, Gongzong Yi in Taipei.